0: You guys, we are on day 22nd, last day of the podcast or story of the 21 day public health challenge. I'm very excited, and we could not have a challenge all about our public health and not talk about sex. And that is what today's topic is all about, and that is sex things we should know when it comes to sex and sexual desire, and things that you can explore further if they interest you. Because, of course, I'm not going to, and I think I've said this term a hundred times over the course of this challenge, but everything I'm talking about is actually quite complex and there's so much more to it that you can even explore in a 10, 15, 20 minute kind of audio recording. And so my hope for this is that if anything resonates or if anything interests you that you now have at least the knowledge and power to explore them a little bit further and that's what I'm thinking today in terms of our chat about sex there's going to be some aha moments there's going to be some things that you didn't know that might be immediately applicable to you but at that same time there's going to be some stuff that might be kind of more that again that aha moment about that aha moment that maybe you need to explore it a little bit further. And I hope that you do because sex is a really important part of life. It is, it's something that's really cool about being a human because on one level it's, you know, it's hormonal and and bodily function driven to, you know, perpetuate this species and reproduce and all of that stuff. But on another level, it's like an entirely pleasurable activity. It's something that we can do for fun. And it's something that I actually consider. So in the world of rehab, we talk all the time about activities of daily living. And if you can't do your activities of daily living, like putting on your clothes, getting dressed, making food, et cetera, et cetera, then we want to intervene to make sure that you can do so because it is such an important thing that you should be able to do on the daily. And I'm not suggesting everyone should have sex on the daily, but what I am suggesting is sex is an activity of daily living. It is something that we should all be able to enjoy should we choose to and have the tools and tricks and understanding and knowledge to do so safely, pleasurably, enjoyably, um, and without all of the negative emotions around it that could be. So sex, super important. It requires a connection between our mind and our body. So between the biology of our sex or organs our hormones the brain the rest of the body all of it and if one part is out of whack then the desire may fade and that's why it is a very complicated topic and it's not as easy as saying I want to have sex now why is sex so beneficial for the obvious reasons of pleasure of course but also studies and research actually show that it's so good for our health It lowers our blood pressure and improves our immune system. We have better heart health, improved self-esteem, decreased depression, anxiety, decreased stress. Uh, It's a natural pain relief, improves our sleep. Uh, it It helps regulate our cycles, among many other things. And this doesn't have to only be benefits that we can experience if we have a partner, because you can still enjoy a lot of this physiological benefits like pain reduction, better sleep, lower blood pressure, all of that stuff, reduce stress, even as a solo um, woman, man, whoever enjoying, you know, masturbation or whatever you enjoy in terms of sex. So definitely doesn't have to only be something that you engage with, with a partner, there are, and in terms of, do you need an orgasm? Sometimes people ask that question. Do the benefits still exist if I don't orgasm? And they do. There are certain neurotransmitters that research have found that don't actually activate without an orgasm, but they are plenty that do. And so the benefits are there. So essentially lots of reasons to want to ensure you have a healthy sexual health life. Okay. Sexual health life, sexual life. Wow. Guys, I'm mixing up my words today. And the hard part as women is we very, very, very often judge our sexual health based on what we see in the media or what is talked about and the messaging that we receive. And there is Such a like lack of concordance with that because what we see in the media is multiple orgasms. You should always want to have sex on a dime and like multiple times a day. And yeah, we just feel desire, and then bam, you know, you're walking down the street, you meet eyes with some guy, and then bam, I want to have sex with him. And though maybe that happens sometimes, the truth is that very rarely happens. And sex and women's bodies and our sex drive is actually so much more complicated, but we don't talk about it. Or we don't see that messaging. And that can be really hard because, again, if we're not chatting to people about this, then we just feel like we're sexually broken or that something in us is wrong or not functioning properly. Or maybe I'm just not a sexual person. Or maybe I just am, you know, shy or whatever we might think when the truth is it's complicated. And we're going to explore that a bit more, but right out of the gates, there's a few real essentials. I want you guys to know when it comes to our public health, our sexual health, um, in case for whatever reason, you don't listen to the rest of this podcast. So first knowledge is hugely powerful. It's a powerful tool when it comes to sex knowledge about what we should expect about our own bodies, knowledge about how it works, how our vagina works. You know, we can't talk about, um, if we're talking about penile, vaginal, intercourse or or, right penetration, we often talk about, you know, what happens when the penis goes into the vagina, but we don't talk about what the vagina needs to do to prepare or what happens or the response, right? So knowledge is power when it comes to the actual sex process, desire, arousal, all of that, but also about what you like in the bedroom, what your partner likes in the bedroom, what you both enjoy doing together, right? Knowledge about kind of What turns you on and what turns you off? Knowledge is powerful. Secondly, desire and sexual arousal, they're not the same thing. And we are going to talk about that more. And third, sex is not just about penetration. Penetration, regardless of whether you're engaging in sex with the same sex or opposite sex partners, it is not or does not need to be the main event like we have been told or see in media, in movies, in shows. It doesn't have to be the main event or sex should not hurt and 5 it's complicated i think i've already said that but it it deserves its own its own number here sex is complicated so let's explore these things a little bit more i already feel like i went on a little bit of a soapbox about penetration not being everything but in the media really like sex is our penetration is the main event it's everything we do a little bit of foreplay a couple minutes but it's just to get you ready for the penetration And this is messing us up because it's not true, but that's what we feel in our hearts that it should be true because that's all we see. And that's all we're told. And this is leaving women being entirely not entirely, but very unsatisfied or putting up with things like painful sex, because again, they're taught that we're taught that foreplay is just the buildup. That is not great. So again, I've mentioned media, but this also is perpetuated by sex education, the little sex education that still exists out there. Uh, And when I'm saying this, I'm talking more specifically about um, sex education in schools and stuff like that. And that's because sex education, I mean, they primarily talk about heterosexual intercourse. I don't, I hope that's changed since I've been in school. I don't have kids, so I'm not sure. But primarily they talk about penis becoming erect before penetrating the vagina. And they don't talk about anything else. And that's because sex education tends to focus on sex for the purpose of reproduction, but it does not explore the idea of sex as a pleasurable event or a pleasurable activity that we should be able to enjoy. Um, and actually a recent study, at OMG, yes, if you haven't heard of them, it's an incredible company who essentially explores and teaches you and helps to kind of show all the ways that you can be sexually active. That's not just, you know, quote unquote, the, the main event of sexual penetration, but they found that just 18% of women can orgasm from penetration alone. And that 36% of women need clitoral stimulation to have a chance at climaxing. And this is really echoing a lot of the other studies out there. So it's not on an Island. This is common, common statistics that we hear. And In fact, like building on this other research actually shows that straight women have the fewest orgasms about of of everyone out there having sex. And again, it's because we think it's all about the P in the V. And it's not, it's sex is not just penis in the vagina. Sex is not just toy in the vagina. Sex is not just fingers in the vagina. Foreplay is not an optional add-on. It's oral, it's touching, it's sucking. And it's all the things that gives us pleasure. And rushing through those non kind of penetrative bits of sex is what's really leaving women unsatisfied and sometimes pressured into doing things like fake orgasms again, because they want to make sure that their partner um, feels like they're you know doing the right things. Or because because that's what we see in the media. So, yes. (laughs) So I I feel like I've gone on a lot about that. But- I think it's an important concept to understand. And if you are interested, there are, I mean, I highly recommend if any of this is resonating with you, I highly recommend making an appointment with a sex therapist. So a psychologist who specializes in sex, they are incredible and it's talk therapy. So they, they talk through it and give you so many tips and tricks and tools to explore this and to really, really start to realize all the other options when it comes to sex, they do something called sensate focus, which is so fascinating and. You can even Google it just to get a sense of it, but it's just, it's actually taking penetration at the beginning off of the table and encouraging you to explore your partner's bodies in all of the other ways. So really fascinating stuff, highly recommend working with a sex therapist. If any of this feels true or important or resonates with you. Uh, So yes, sex more than just, you know, penetration. And then the other thing I talked about was that desire and arousal aren't really the same thing. So desire is actually a motivational state. So it's wanting or desiring to engage in sexual activity. And this is different from sexual arousal. This is actually a physiological or mental experience of being turned on. So sexual arousal could be like blood flow to the genitals, mental excitement. It could be both or one. And Whereas desire, again, is more the motivation to engage. And what we know is they're not the same and they don't always come hand in hand. And in terms of the sexual response, so, you know, kind of starting with like just whatever you're sitting around to actually wanting to and then engaging or engaging and then wanting to have sex. We want to look at all of the different elements that go into the sexual response right so again we have that belief i think i mentioned like somebody you're walking down the street you see somebody bam you just you want to have sex with them that's considered spontaneous sexual desire it's what we see in movies of course and the truth is that rarely happens i think the research hasn't totally kind of checked it out that it never happens but it is not common at all And what tends to happen instead is that it's triggered. So this response cycle is triggered by, and usually by our reasons for engaging in sex. So it could be triggered by, you know, wanting some stress release, wanting some exercise, uh, wanting to feel close to your partner or whatever, you know, whatever reason you want to engage from sex. And then from there, we want our mind and body to come into alignment, And for some women that actually takes starting to engage in sexual activity before their arousal actually kind of kicks in, right? Or, or, or really, sorry, actually what I should say is engaging in sexual activity to get the arousal kicking on before the sexual desire comes on. So a lot of times we think it's desire and then arousal, but sometimes we actually need that arousal first before we kind of have or feel the desire. And this can mess a lot of this can like mess with our brains a little bit especially as women because a lot of times we are fed these messages if i love my partner i should want to have sex or you know i should just want to be with them at all times but what that means is a lot of times we're just sitting around waiting to get aroused and it's not happening or waiting for the desire i should say and it's not happening and Again, it's just because we don't understand that the sexual response doesn't always work like that. So a lot of times women will feel a lot of guilt or shame or or fear of their partner abandoning them or any number of emotions because they're not feeling that desire multiple times a week. But if you recognize that that's okay, and sometimes the desire doesn't come until you engage a little bit, then I hope that helps to make you realize that, it doesn't mean you don't love your partner or a host of other reasons. It's complicated. Um, again, the messages we see, they tell us that we should be wanting it. The mental motivation is there first and then you engage. And this is just not the case. It's as women, we just necessarily, some do, but a lot of us just don't want to have sex all the time. And then in terms of arousal, it it's also complicated, right? So physiological arousal and mental arousal are different things. And we tend to see that the brain and body is not always connected. And there's a ton of research on this. And so what the research has found for men, there's a moderate cor- correlation between physiological and mental arousal. And the reason or one of the hypotheses hypothesized reasons for this is men it's very obvious when they're aroused they get an erection and then that erection is feedback for them and then it will flip the mental kind of arousal switch whereas women we don't necessarily get that and our brain and body is very like very much not connected in terms of that and the idea is Perhaps it's because we're not getting the feedback. So maybe we are having some biological or physiological sexual arousal and that could be some increased lubrication at the vagina. But that isn't necessarily super, super obvious or we may not be paying attention to us. So then that switch to get the mental arousal can be a little bit tougher for women. And if your brain and body aren't speaking together, maybe the desire isn't gonna kick in. So it can be really tough because again, we're just not getting that feedback. And it's just not as obvious. It's not an on-off switch, even though so many people expect it to be. And this is why I already said this, but knowledge is such a powerful tool when it comes to sex, because when we understand how complicated it is, it's super validating. It makes us not feel kind of sexually broken if I hope you guys don't feel that way but if you do feel that way or kind of wishing you were kind of quote-unquote better in that department that goes back to the very first day we talked about in terms of how we talk about our body and if we're always talking to our body or about our body in this lens when it comes to sex of ugh, I should want it more on my partner's like not going to be happy because I just don't want him or her or I just right like if we're always in this kind of putting ourselves down because we're not as sexual as we quote unquote should be then that's really hard but if we can flip that that you know, narrative, if we can change the perspective we're taking, just like I talked about that day, we chatted about gratitude. If we can change our mindset and our perspective and our self-talk and talk about, oh, you know what? Like this is complicated. I am a sexual person, but it just works a little bit different than i realize. and so maybe there's some tools i have to look into or maybe there's some steps i have to take into or maybe i have to be okay with the fact that life is freaking crazy right now and this just isn't a priority for me. so again, it's really complicated but the knowledge is so powerful because it helps us understand and validate our feelings and where we're at. low sexual desire, that's also something i want to chat about. it is extraordinarily common. so one in 3 women experience low or absent sexual desire right like or or desire for sex one in 3 that's huge And, but the, like, it's really, really huge. And there's various reasons for that. But a lot of times, again, we beat ourselves up if we don't have that desire. Now, not all of these women will experience distress about their desire. I think the research shows that about half as many women, so 15% of women will experience distress or issues for not having this high sexual arousal. But again, it's really hard when it comes to these numbers, because these numbers are likely underreported because people don't necessarily like to talk about it. But some common causes of low desire, again, recognize it's complicated and different for every person. Stress is a huge one. And we already did chat about stress this throughout this challenge, but it is absolutely um, a huge, huge killer of sexual desire. And lo and behold, we live in a very stressful place right now or society right now. If we have a never-ending to-do list, if we're constantly on the go, if we're just trying to get through our day, this is absolutely entirely unhelpful for sexual desire to come on, All right. So stress is a huge one. There's other biological and mental health um, reasons as well. So anxiety, depression, sleep, or lack thereof is really uh, also a sexual desire killer. So having enough sleep is really important for us to get that sexual desire, In terms of biological, there's some meds that can impact function and arousal. Antidepressants are being a big one. Uh, Relationships is a big factor in terms of sexual desire, of course, right? So if you're in it, how solid that relationship is, how supportive your partner is, how the sexual experience is with that partner. So there's so many reasons for this low desire. And The hard part is low desire, of course, can lead to so many feelings, Uh, shame, embarrassment. You know, you can feel like you're not there for your partner. You can be worried that your partner is going to leave you. You can feel like you're broken, that you should be better. And again, that's going back to that self-talk and it creates another feedback loop. And we talked about that. Was that yesterday or the day before we like we talked about how many feedback loops are in kind of and how psychology is so intermixed when it comes to pelvic health and sexual health because our brain is constantly telling us stuff and the stuff that it's usually telling us is cruel and not true and not factual, but stress, emotions, mood, all of this will kill our sexual desire. And then we don't have sex. And then because of this, a lot of times um, we get into that, you know, not having sex because of like low sexual desire leads to not having sex. And we don't have sex. We lose the desire. And it can just get into this hard cycle to break. And not only this, sometimes women actually tend to have sex, but for very demotivating reasons. So, again, those negative reasons, so worried about their partner leaving, whatever. And then this actually makes sex less and less enjoyable. So, then we have low sexual desire, we have sex anyway, you know, because of these demotivating reasons, but then we want sex less, and then it just continues in the cycle. So really, really important to realize that this is super common. You are not alone if you're experiencing this, um, but there are tricks and tools and, and things that we can look at in terms of improving this. And when I say we, this is outside, uh, like obviously I can chat about this and and some of the biological and psychological stuff, but this really is the wheelhouse of a sexual um, therapist. So like a, a psychologist who also works in sex therapy. So they are, I know some amazing ones. If you're in Ontario, I will happily suggest a name because it might feel like it's hard to talk about, but the gains you can make are huge and not only kind of validating kind of how you're feeling, but also if you do want to change kind of your sexual health or your sex life, there's so many things that they can teach you that aren't necessarily intuitive, but aren't necessarily all that difficult either. So hugely beneficial. Um, One thing I will say is mindfulness. We chatted about that already. We won't go into it too much. It's actually incredibly helpful. And the research is showing that mindfulness absolutely helps with our sexual desire and sexual arousal. And again, that's because mindfulness helps us live in the moment and understand what's going on in the moment and without judgment. So having been well-practiced in the practice of mindfulness can be really helpful and beneficial to your sexual health and your sex life right so those are the big kind of things i wanted to talk about if i go back to pain for a second if you are someone who has painful sex is it back pain, hip pain? Is it painful penetration? If it's hip or back pain, there's actually a ton of research out there on specific and very specific positions and what positions are are best for you and, and in order of reducing pain. And so that information is really cool. Pelvic floor physio can help you with that and they can teach you what positions are the best. And that's really cool. If penetration is painful, It shouldn't hurt, right? Sex shouldn't hurt, and if it is, we can help. So again, this is very much the wheelhouse of a pelvic floor physio, and I implore you, if you are someone who has painful sex, please, 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 please make an appointment because there's so much we can do and so much we can teach you, and I just want everyone to be able to enjoy sex should they want to. There are resources out there. There are so many resources out there. Other thing about sex is you can improve your orgasm experience, whether that's learning different ways or positions or techniques that's more than just, you know, vaginal penetration, but also, you know, learning how your muscle and your body works. Just kind of as a total aside, a lot of times people think Kegels, Kegels, Kegels is going to make their orgasms better. But the truth is to have a really great orgasm or to have an orgasm, we actually need our muscles to relax. So we need them to relax and that is a big part of it. But then if we can also work on strengthening those muscles and that can help intensify and lengthen our orgasms as well. So it's again, complicated, more to it. But what I want to leave you guys with in terms of today is just recognize that sex is complicated. You're not alone if you are someone that isn't kind of rushing multiple times a day to jump your partner that's okay there is nothing wrong with you um and it's honestly like part of it a big part of it is just the function of the life we live right now we've been in a pandemic for what is this are we on year three now I don't even know um and it's hard and it's stressful and there's a lot going on and we have so many kind of things that we put on ourselves and and expectations we put on ourselves and so realize that There's more to it. And it doesn't mean if you're someone who has, you know, low sexual desire, it does not mean you're broken. Um, And the other thing, regardless of whether you have low sexual desire or not, it's really helpful to look at your, you know, sexual response cycle. What makes you want to engage? What makes you want to stop? What, what are the things that light you up? And knowing that again, knowledge is power. Remember this. Okay. And then try mindfulness. Like we chatted about earlier on in this, in this challenge, I think you'll really enjoy it. All right, guys, enjoy. And in terms of your challenge homework, this was a lot of info. And in fact, I talked way longer than I was expecting to um, because there's a lot to chat about when we talk about sex. So your challenge is just to mull this over, think about this. I want you to kind of maybe do a little bit more research on anything here that resonated with you and anything that you want to learn more with right? And, and that's your challenge today is just spend a little bit more time outside of this podcast or outside of this recording and really sit with some of this information and decide if there's anywhere within what we chatted about that you might want to focus a little bit of attention on, okay? So just some time for reflection. Enjoy your day and I'll chat with you guys tomorrow for the final day.